We're continuing our series this afternoon on promises and paradigms, and um, we're going to draw your attention to an aspect of God's reality in our lives that really is vital to us experiencing his fullness while we're here on earth. Have you ever met someone who seems to have the most exceptional favor? Now, I come from a family of four children, and my father's favorite was not me. Please don't cry. I got over it fairly quickly. But he had uh, another two sons, and the one just down from me, his name is Larry, was my father's favorite. We used to call him Blue Eyes because um, he was, you know, daddy's boy, and he could do nothing wrong. The fact was, he did everything wrong and has uh, currently and sub subsequently spent a little time being cared for by Her Majesty's service. But I always wanted to be somebody's favorite. Don't you? Come on, somebody, somewhere, should think of us in some way as their favorite. I want to be the favorite person that people want to hang out with, amen? I mean, I'm so funny, it's ridiculous. You shouldn't have laughed there. That's cruel. <laughs> I want someone to choose me, to want to be with me, to like me and to enjoy my company and to hang on my every word. That's the only reason I became a pastor. But I want to let you know today that wherever you sit with that reality or indeed maybe like me with that tragedy here on earth, the reality is in the eyes of God you are his favorite. You are highly favored. God thinks you are wonderful. Isn't that good news? And favor is essential to flourishing. We need to know the reality of God's favor in our lives if we are ever going to flourish. You know, it says in the scriptures that perfect love drives out all fear. Now, many of us are trying to drive fear out of our lives in alternative ways, but actually, when you know the perfect love of God the Father, other things just seem to fade. They just seem to drift away. In fact, even if there's things in our lives that have been there a long time, God's favor and his love in our hearts actually causes us to live in a courageous way. God delights in you. Now, favor is not popularity. In fact, if you do have the favor of God in your life, you might find a couple of people are not that keen on you because they get a little bit jealous. They start to compare and contrast and start to measure their lives against your life. But when I look through the scriptures, I see that God consistently raises his people to a place of influence and favor. God desires for you to do well and for your life to be good. Someone say amen to that. Now, why is favor vital for us? Because without it, we're not going to impact the world the way God wants us to. Favor opens up kingdom connections. When you carry the favor of God in your life, you seem to connect with people at a level and in a manner that actually opens up more opportunity for you. For years, I was involved in a thing called show business. I was lousy at the business and okay at the show. But the truth was that real business never took place on the stage never took place in the rehearsal room. Real business, the real actual business, took place on the golf course. If you had friends in high places, you found yourself in high places. You see, the same is true in the kingdom. 
Whenever God begins to elevate a person, God opens up a spectrum before them of opportunity, and it usually comes relationally. You meet someone, you talk to someone, a door will open, something will begin to materialize, and suddenly you're living in a completely different arena than you could ever have entered in by your own strength or your capacity. Favor can cause you to rise to the top of your sphere and indeed in your influence. And favor is vital. And the trouble with this subject matter is we've heard so much about it, we think it's just for the one or the two people that are in this room. But like I said at the beginning of my conversation with this afternoon, you are already highly favored in the eyes of God. God thinks you are incredible. Such was his passion and his purpose in connecting you to him that he sent his son Jesus Christ to prove to you that for your sin and brokenness and heart, God had already supplied and indeed offered a way for you to escape and to come into relationship with him. So I want to talk to you about living as a favor Living in favor, living out favor, and indeed living in the favor of God. If you have a Bible with you this afternoon, go to one of my favorite scriptures. It comes out of the book of Amos, and it's chapter 9, and we're going to read verses 13 together. Amos chapter 9, verse 13, and this is what it says. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper, and the treader of grapes, him that sows seed. And the mountains shall drop sweet wine at the hills as they melt like wax. Now, that's beautiful phraseology, but let me take you to the Message Bible version of the same scripture. The Message version says this. Yes, indeed, it won't be long now. God's decree has come. There are, there are going to happen, it's going to happen so fast that your head will swim. One thing fast on the heels of another, and you won't be able to keep up. Everything will be happening at once, and everywhere you look, blessings. Blessings like wine pouring off the mountains and hills. I'll make everything right again for my people Israel. Now, both those scriptures are the same truth that God desires to pour out his favor upon his people. And indeed, it, they offer us this exceptional invitation to work with those promises as we shift and align ourselves and alter the paradigm of our human experience to accommodate what God wants to do. Look at the first thing that I believe God is promising us here. He said, I will exceed all that you expect. Now, is there anybody here who's got a great imagination? Do you, ever, do you ever dream of winning the lottery? Come on, I know some of you do. Or, or going somewhere and finding a, a priceless piece of artwork? Yes? I know that there's something in the heart of people that are always looking for that which is exceptional, that which is outside of the parameters of that which they can accomplish on their own merit or indeed through their own effort. We were created for the exceptional. You do know that, don't you? And that's why our hearts are always drawn to those things. But even if you have the best imagination in this room, God is promising here in the book of Amos that he will exceed all you expect. 
Now, your dreams may be vast. You may have incredible ideas of what life could look like for you, but they are small in comparison to what God wants to actually do for you. He says, behold, the days are coming. In other words, a time and a season is going to arrive on you that even your wildest dreams will not compare with the plan and the purpose of God, the blessing of God, and the fruitfulness of God that he wants to bring in your life. Why? Because you're his favorite. And fathers love to bless their children. The second thing we notice from this scripture, and indeed it's a promise that needs a paradigm shift for us, is I will increase all that you invest. You see, the plowman shall overtake the reaper, the treader of grapes, him that sows. In other words, the gap between what is sown and what is reaped is actually going to be speeded up. How many of us have been working towards some things for a long time? We believe that if we keep diligent and consistent and faithful to the promises of God, that somehow in some way those things will come to pass. Do you ever get a little bit concerned that the gap seems very large between your investment and your return? Well, the good news, the promise to us today as we shift our thinking and align our lives is that gap between sowing and reaping is about to get really, really short. God is going to do something very quick and very swift for you in your life. Somebody say amen for me, please. And the third thing we have in this scripture, it's a promise to us, and it needs a paradigm shift for us in our thinking, is that God will accelerate his purposes. In other words, God will do something that is so profound, we will not be able to keep up with it. I don't know how you feel about that, but I'm a little excited. I think, wouldn't that be wonderful to live with that kind of reality? Now, who is God speaking to here? Well, God is speaking to a generation, and he's speaking to a people and just like us today, these people had journeyed with God for some time, and things had been good, and also they had been bad. But the truth is also, they had got to a point where they started to live more out of disappointment than they did out of faith. That the circumstances of their life had somehow almost snuffed out the dreams in their heart. And it's just like God always in a generation where that becomes a reality for people to raise up someone. And in this case, the man in question is a young man called Amos. And actually, by all accounts, he came from somewhere. Some people refer to him as a nobody. I love, whenever I read the scriptures, that God takes somebody who maybe is thought of as a nobody and does something radical through their lives. I'd like to be a candidate for that kind of experience, wouldn't you? And Amos was such a man. And around about the ninth century before Jesus Christ, he came out of nowhere. He came right onto the forefront of the scene of Jerusalem and all that God was doing in his people. And actually, they didn't welcome him with open arms. <laughs> Isn't that quite the case for many people who start to be used of God, telling truth and realigning people to God's heart and his purposes? In fact, he was an irritant to everybody. Do you ever feel like an irritant? Do you ever feel like you're saying things people don't want to hear? Come on, talk to me, church. Isn't that the case? You have something from the Lord and you seek to deliver it to someone and actually you hope in your heart they're going to fall on their face and worship Jesus and actually they're vexed with you. They're upset with you because you said something they didn't want to hear. You see, people like the idea of truth, 
But the, but the reality of truth actually means that we need to change. And so often people love the thoughts that are associated with lives being transformed and the world changing, except, of course, when it means that it starts with them. He was an irritant. And he was an irritant amongst a couple of groups of people, the wealthy. He was an irritant to the wealthy because he came with a message of injustice, that somehow on the journey with God, these people had forgotten that God had instructed them to take care of those who are less fortunate. In fact, it was even worse than that. These people, the, the ones that are at the lowest of the pile, if you like, were being exploited by those who were at the top. Do you know that our God is a rebel? He turns over tables in so many ways. He doesn't, he doesn't work with the systems of hierarchy in the world. Aren't you grateful for that? Aren't you delighted that he takes the foolish things and he uses them to confound the so-called wisdom of mankind? Jesus really was a rebel, if you think about it, because he ignored all of the protocols of that day and did exactly what the Father asked him to do. And people either loved him for it or they disliked him for it. Well, Amos was similar. He was a rebel, but he had a great cause, and that was to bring the people of God back into relationship with their Lord. And he believed that God had given him some exceptional things to show to them as a, as a reality of what was happening with them. There's a wonderful illustrative prophecy that Amos brings of a plumb line. You may have read this in the Bible. And basically what he's saying is that this is God's truth and this is God's righteousness. And when you kind of measure things up against it, everything else is crooked. We need to return unto the Lord. We need to come back with fear and trembling before God. We need to repent and come back into relationship, offering God all of our lives to be able to accommodate all of his purposes. So let me take you through some of these promises that I believe we need to think about and alter our internal realities to accommodate. You know, God's promises are yes. In other words, he's already decided he wants to give them. Is anybody happy about that this afternoon? God's promises to you are yes. He's made up his mind. He's generous. And he loves to share and he loves to give. He is the father who delights to give good gifts to his children. But you need to come into a partnership with his yes. And that partnership sounds like this, amen. Now, amen is not just a word we speak. It's a posture of heart that we keep. Our hearts have to always be receptive to the promise of God. See, I've walked in the prophetic circles for a long time. And people believe that if God promises something, it's just going to come to pass. You know, they put their prophetic words at the back of the Bible. Get them out. Bring them to the front. Because God has said yes, but your life needs to come into alignment so that amen can prepare you for all that God wants to do. You have to be aware and aligned and awakened and stirred by the promise of God. We cannot just have these things sitting around in our lives and do nothing with them. So God has promised you abundant life. Can somebody say Amen. Because God has said, I will give you life and life abundantly. Now, let me ask you the question. God has made that promise to you, but where is your amen? Well, here, of course, it is. It's on a journey. You may have to say amen a million times this week. You may have to consistently say, God, no, I'm trusting you for abundance this week. You may find that as you step towards amening God's promise, that the enemy comes in to try and give you disappointment and disillusionment. You may have to do some spiritual warfare over your amen process. 
But how many of us know that God is not a liar? That when God speaks, we can trust his word. God has said, yes, we have to keep saying amen. And as we keep saying amen, we are acclimatizing ourselves and shifting our paradigm to be able to accommodate his promise. What about this one? God said this. He who began a good work in you, which was the Holy Spirit, by the way, he who began a good work in you will carry it on until it's completed. Okay, so God's desire is that you would mature. Anybody up for a little maturity this afternoon? God's desire is that you would be free. Is there anything that's hindering that process? Of course. God's desire is that you would know him and walk with him and become like him. So God has established for you all the possibilities for you to rise as the man or the woman of God that he's created you to be. But actually the truth is, although God has promised every single day of your life, you have to say amen. You have to come into partnership with what God has promised. Those two things need to happen for the kingdom of God to be fashioned and formed in and through our lives. So let's look at some of these paradigms out of this particular passage and let's try and partner or indeed posture our lives around the promise of God. The first thing that we said is this, behold, God is saying, a new season has come. I will exceed all that you expect. Okay, behold the day has come. Now, that may not sound like a big deal, but if you've been living in a time or a season where you've had lack, you will struggle to embrace this new season of blessing. Because you, your internal world, your mind, your heart, your life will have been conditioned to live in times and seasons where there wasn't much. You've had to make a lot out of little. But actually, God wants to bring abundance and he wants to bring blessing. And so the first place where God begins to move is not necessarily intangible evidence around us that this is a season of blessing, but he begins to move in our minds. He begins to realign our hearts and our lives with hope and joy and expectation. Now, every time God moves, as far as I can see in the scriptures, it starts with some people perceiving something is happening. And the question we have to ask today is God is promising us that we will come and have come into a season of blessing. The day has come. Behold, the day has come. But my question is, can you see it? Are you able to identify that this is a different season? Are you able to come into partnership with this new season? Because if you can't come into partnership with it, you will be living with an old mindset and an old paradigm that will steal from you a new opportunity in God. And it's really important for us to realign our hearts and realign our minds and realign our lives to hope and joy and expectation. Now you know what it's like. If you've had a season where financially things have been difficult, you kind of give up hope that one day things will change. And even if something happened that was good, you may have such a negative internal world that you actually believe what God blesses you with is going to be a problem. To a friend of mine, she prayed for a number of years that God would find her a husband. And every time I met with her, she was a beautiful young woman. I don't know what's wrong sometimes with the men in the church. I just want to say that out loud, ladies. I know that gets me a little sympathy vote. But you know, sometimes 
I don't know what people are waiting on, but the reality was she was beautiful, she was godly, she served the Lord in many ways, and um, she would pray and say to me every time, she would pray, I'd like a godly man, I'd like someone who loves Jesus. Can anybody identify with that prayer? Don't bleed all over the floor, we have to clean it up, and we haven't got enough sanitizer to do so. But, but the reality is simply this, she found him, hallelujah. And he was handsome, and he was godly, but he was really untidy. And so what was a prayer to get a husband quickly and swiftly turned into a prayer to change her husband. And I remember when I would meet with her and she'd say, oh, I, how is it going? She said, well, I love being married, but he is just, it's like a car crash. I don't know how he thinks or whether he imagines as we sleep in the night that a group of invisible people come in and hang up his clothes for the morning but actually, it's driving me insane. And I quickly understood what was happening. What God gave her as a blessing, because her mindset had not shifted or changed, actually became a problem. And that so often can be a predictor to us that our paradigm is not in partnership with God's promise. A number of years ago, I had a friend who was a multimillionaire. He, he, he actually had been a drug addict, got gloriously saved, became exceptionally wealthy, flew my wife, Jane and I, and our children out. We had a, a foster child as well as Emily, flew out to Florida. And, and actually, as um, he was trying to help me with things, he, he said to me, you know, Pastor Simon, I would love to give something back to you. You were there at the beginning. You were there whenever I was on cocaine. You were there whenever I was, you know, fighting with my wife. I used to go to their house on regular uh, basis to separate them at 2 o'clock in the morning. And they lived on the first floor. And inevitably, they'd be out on the balcony. My heart used to race every time I went there. But actually, their lives became great. They became really good. And he calls me when we came back from the States. And he said this to me, I've got a surprise for you. What's your favorite car? Now, my favorite car, just in case anybody is hoping to buy me one, is a Mercedes, and it's a, it's a classic car, and it's a, a, got a pagoda roof with a little dip, a two-seat uh, Mercedes car. And then he said to me, and it just felt like a little surreal to me, what color would you like? Now, it was hard enough to even think he was thinking about getting a car, but to be so specific about the color. And you know, there's two ways you can respond to that. First of all, you can think he's having a laugh which I did, or maybe God wants to bless me. Just maybe. What do you think? Which one do you think I should have gone with? Maybe the Lord wants to bless me. And so I put the phone down to him, and I said to Jane, I said, Scott, he's going to buy us a classic car. And Jane looked at me and she said, where are we going to put it? <laughs> and, and I said, I don't know, I don't know where we're going to put it, but isn't it great? that he's going to buy us a classic car. And she said, well, how are we going to insure it? Doesn't it need to be put in an, an airtight garage so that rust doesn't... And do you know what was a promise and a possibility turned into a problem? Because our paradigm at that time was we were living with very little. So we were struggling to keep up with the bills we had, let alone have another set of bills, even though it was my wildest dream to have a car like that. Well, the sadness is it never materialized. Not because he didn't want to buy it, but we couldn't receive it. We were unable to receive the blessing of God. Now, that's tragic, isn't it? But God has promised me one day, someone in this church will buy me one of those cars. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. 
Behold, the day has come. Whatever your last season was like, it's a new day. It's a new season. And my prayer this afternoon is that your paradigm will come into partnership with God's promise. Isaiah 43 verse 19 says, Behold, in other words, can you perceive this? Can you even recognize this? Do you have eyes or a heart that's awakened or in alignment with this new season? Behold, I do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert place. Do you know that this new paradigm that's necessary actually is essential to us having and receiving from God the fullness of his promise. And all disappointments can rob us from new appointments in the kingdom of God. A new mindset is often needed to receive the blessing of God. If you've lived in a variety of ways without those promises materializing, your soul or your heart or your life will already have fashioned some thinking around it and God will desire to change it. You need for this new reality a new internal perspective. God is doing something new. So imagine if you woke up this morning and thinking, instead of survival, actually today I'm going to be really blessed. Imagine waking up with that kind of expectancy and that kind of joy. Imagine always believing that what God said is going to come to pass and all you have to keep doing is partnering with him, getting your paradigm into alignment with his promise and you will start to see the material reality of the promise of God. I wonder if we are not seeing those promises come to pass because our paradigms are living in the past. I wonder if we need to have an upgraded mindset and an upgraded perspective. That's why we need more faith. Does anybody need more faith? We need to be hope-filled, not hopeless. We need to be expectant, not disappointed. We need our hearts to come in alignment with the yes of God. And every time it does, we're saying amen. And we're making ourselves, the soil of our lives, ready to receive the blessing of God. Can someone say amen to that? And does anybody bear witness to that being maybe an issue in us receiving the fullness of God's blessing? Remember, you're his favorite. He wants to give you a great life. What's holding that back? I leave that for you to work out. The second thing that we see here, and it's a new paradigm for me, is simply this, that the plowman shall overtake the reaper. I've spent years and years and years Investing and trying and being diligent in certain things, waiting for God's promise to come to pass. But actually, we're living in a supernatural time of acceleration where God is going to do something quickly. And the gap between what I give and what I receive is going to get shorter. It's going to decrease in size. You see, God can only work with what you give him. See, some of us want God to bless us and to bring us into fullness, but actually, he always works with his people. Let me explain what I mean. So how many of us know that we would love the Lord to give us this most glorious relationship with him here on earth? Anybody like that? Guess how it happens. Seek first the kingdom of God and all its righteousness and all these things will be added to you. You see, you can't have the abundance if you don't submit to the plan and the person of God. How many of us would like to be overcomers? I love the church. They sing all these songs. Who would like to be an overcomer? Now, the truth is, in heavenly terms, you're already an overcomer because you're in Christ, and Christ is seated in heavenly places. Therefore, you are seated with him in heavenly places. Amen? 
that's an overcoming reality. But how many of us know that we all want to be overcomers, but we don't like a fight a battle? See, we all would love God to win the war for us, but we're not even putting on the armor. We're not even getting ready for warfare. So God will work with what you give him. And it's therefore important in this new season where he's doing something new, where the paradigm in my life has to shift to receive the promise from his heart that actually I come into agreement with that reality. I need to be generous in this season. Now, I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about investing in my relationship with God and indeed God's desire to bless my life. I want to be full of the Holy Spirit, but I have to spend time with God for that to be a reality. I want to have great knowledge of the Word of God, to be truly profoundly impacted by His truth. Well, the reality is my investment has to be some good, honest, godly Bible study on a consistent basis. I want God to fulfill His promises to me prophetically, but actually I may need to get out of bed because if he's called me to speak to the nations, maybe getting out of bed would be a good start today. You see, I've worked with people for years who believe God's got exceptional blessings for them, but actually their behavior and their posture robs them from those very blessings. A couple of years ago, a man came to me. He said, God's called me to speak to the nations. And I said, that's great, but can you speak to your neighbor? And he said to me, I'm not sure I like my neighbor. I said that if you don't like your neighbor, you're going to have greater problems with the nations. Okay, here's where it starts. It starts today. It starts now. It starts with me aligning myself to what God has promised me will come. And as I keep doing that and partnering with that, my paradigm begins to shift and my heart is prepared for the promise of God to become a reality. It's not automatic. It doesn't just happen like that. God always works with us and always works in us to produce what he has promised us. So this is a time to invest. Invest in your life with Jesus. Invest in your family. Invest in your friends. Can I say one area that I believe uh, prophetically is, is a place of investment right now is people who don't know Jesus. I am utterly convinced, particularly with what's happening in our world, that the church needs to turn up with a hope-filled message, a joyous and glorious expression of the love and the passion of God. You see, I believe as we start to live out of that paradigm positioned before God and presenting that to people, people will start to come to faith in Jesus Christ. There are people who are going to shock you who are going to come into the kingdom of God. The truth is I'm still shocked by myself. And I know you're even more shocked because you've listened to me talk. I am saved. So we need to increase what we invest so that God can bless us with the accelerated reward of those investments. It's a supernatural time where God is going to bring an increase really quickly to those things that you are investing in the kingdom of God. The long wait for abundance, the huge amount of toil that's necessary, this is what Amos is telling the people of Israel, it's over. God is going to do something supernaturally. He's going to overpower, in this case, the natural forces with supernatural forces and bring his people into a place of abundance. Now, can I tell you, there's some challenges with that because it's much harder to steward abundance than it is to steward lack. You see, we all like to think that if we had more, we would be better people. But the truth is, the more you have, the, the, the more you think you can lose. And the more you think you can lose, 
the more you refuse to let anyone take from you what the Lord has blessed you with. We need to learn some new skills in stewarding abundance. What would happen if 3,000 people turned up here today? Are our nets prepared for that? Would, would, would the wineskin of the way we function be able to accommodate the blessing of God? And I'm really sharp in my spirit about this. I believe that that's part of the journey we're on as a community, and it's preparing ourselves for what the Lord wants to do. Now, if that's true of us as a community, it's true of us as individuals. Is the wineskin of your life ready for the new wine of God? Does God have to put in some new structures in the way you live and think and act to prepare you for what he wants to do? All of that is you saying amen to God's yes. It's you coming into a new paradigm, way of thinking and operating that prepares you and makes you ready for all that God wants to do. And the third thing is this. I will accelerate time to achieve my purposes. I really believe that what will happen and how it will happen, I have no great clarity about, but I have this real sense of heavenly promise that actually the church is going to play catch-up with the blessing of God. Do you know, every time we end our services, we use this phrase. It's a, a mixture of two parts of the Bible. It says, you know, and surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Can I just say to you that what we're stepping towards is a little bit more than that. It's goodness and mercy will hunt you down. Goodness and mercy is going to outrun you. Goodness and mercy is going to run past you. You are not going to be able to keep up with what God wants to do. Someone say amen to that. God is going to move so quickly and powerfully, we're going to have to keep readjusting our realities to accommodate his kingdom. Our minds are going to be stretched. Our understanding of who he is is going to be stretched. God will not be contained by what we've experienced, but we can be actually shaped by our experiences of him. You know, I remember when renewal happened in 94, 95, there wasn't a paradigm for it. People didn't come to church and laugh. They came to church and cried. Now, we didn't mind weeping, but we struggled with rejoicing. And I remember going to a couple of those meetings, and, you know, I'd never been in anything like that where the church was happy. People would just laugh hysterically as the Holy Spirit moved. Is there anybody here who remembers that? And guess what happened? We'd all been praying for God to move, and God began to move, but we didn't like it. Some people were offended by the laughter. Have you ever thought that through? Why would we be offended by laughter? Isn't the joy of the Lord our strength, ever present in our times of need? But actually, our paradigm was too small for the promise of God. I remember another time whenever I was praying for people and they used to shake violently under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I'd never seen anything like that. And once again, our paradigm in the church I was pastoring was too small for the promise of God. And people start to say, is it this? Is it that? Is it the other? Oh, it's just people's flesh. Well, you know, they came in with skin and bones. They're going to go out with it too. Their flesh is part of the story. And I would look at that and I wouldn't fully understand what God was doing, but I knew those people and I knew they would not do those things just to draw attention to themselves. One of the people who was most impacted in those days was my wife. And my wife would never stand on a platform, speak to people. She doesn't have that kind of, you know, orientation of heart. She's a very private lady. But you know, God made her dumb for a whole week. God, <laughs> she could not open her mouth. 
She felt the coal from heaven touch her lips. Another time, we were in a meeting, and Pastor Colin actually was at our conference, the Elam conference, and I was there, Lord, do something, do something. And Pastor Colin was sharing the stories. I think you remember them here, where people were having droplets of oil on their hands as the anointing began to flow. We didn't have a paradigm for that. And I'm there going, me, me, me. And she goes, not me, not me, not me, not me. And her hands were saturated in oil. I went to Toronto to the place where some of this stuff had started and, and it was a place many people did pilgrimage to. I stood there like a granite statue and my wife was filled with the Holy Spirit. She laughed, she cried, she laughed again, she cried. And I was so angry, I went back to the hotel and left her on the floor. <laughs> she wasn't even that bothered about going to Toronto and I'd been fasting and praying <laughs> and a friend who knew us who had blessed us with some ministry in our church he came and he called me about 2 o'clock in the morning he said she's still here and I said good and he said Simon what would the Lord like you to say at a moment like this I said good night but I got it at the breakfast table. Jane was so full of the joy of the Lord, she'd have stayed there all night. But this, this wise gentleman said to me, you, you want God to bless you, but look at your heart. You can't be happy for someone else. You can't bless or rejoice with those who are rejoicing. He said, Simon, God desires to fill your life with the Holy Spirit, but you need to make sure your heart is prepared and allow him to do what he needs to do. And he brought... Great healing to my life that day. And guess what? Two weeks later, I got filled with the Holy Spirit and laughed. You know, I used to laugh so much that people thought I was ill mentally. <laughs> I would just laugh at anything. And um, people thought I had serious problems. <laughs> you see, we want God to move and we say God move in power. And we, we know God has made promises and his character, his nature is good. And he has so much for us. But the reality is, he's saying yes, 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 yes all the time. And he's waiting for his people to come into a partnership with him with consistency and persistency and say amen, 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 and amen. Three promises for this season. God will exceed what you expect. Someone say amen to that. Amen. Second one, God will increase what you invest. Amen? Amen. And God will accelerate all that he's doing in your life so that he outruns you with blessing in the season that lies ahead of you. Let's get our paradigms in order to be able to receive from him his promises.